You're listening to the B-Fox and B-Frank show. The bracket has been released. The tournament technically starts tonight with the first four. Um, so we're ready to go, ready to get into it. Um, I guess any any big picture reactions when the bracket was revealed? The only thing I had was I had TCU in the field. I didn't have Arizona State. I got 67 of 68 just to pat myself on the back here real quick. Um, apparently I counted wrong. I thought Lenardi had 66. He had 67 as well. So hats off to you, Joey Brackets. We are equals. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I think seeding was definitely different. And I think the net took, was taken like heavily into uh, account in that in regards to, uh, the net in the seeding lines to, to speak proper English there. But other than that, I, I thought TCU was a tournament team, especially when you get a team like Oklahoma in the field and people talking about Texas, who I thought TCU was as good as Oklahoma, if not better. And then they were clearly better than Texas. So confused by that one, you know, at the end of the day, the PAC 12 gets three, which is pretty much the only uh, weird thing that happened in that and TCU not being in, but, I think it was pretty pretty accurate. I mean, NC State complaining is pretty laughable, but hey, they tried to game the system and it didn't work, so it shows you actually have to play and win games to get in the field. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma not even in, but in easily. Yes. Um, they're nine seed. Um, I think Pac-12, three teams just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but mm-hmm. got a factor in one of those, certainly. Um, Oregon got Saturday night by... right. Beating Washington for the automatic bid. Didn't really know if there was an at-large candidate other than Washington. I guess Arizona State. And see, just I, barely snuck in. Yeah, and I threw Washington like way down the ranks after they lost to Oregon because, I mean, Oregon's had so many injuries. They really haven't played consistently well. They just started to turn it on as of like three weeks ago, maybe. They. I mean, their resume isn't great. They lost Texas Southern at home when they were healthy. So you look at a team like that, I I mean, they win their league. Great. They obviously are in. But the team that loses to them hasn't looked anything stellar of late, and then all of a sudden you still give them a nine seed. So it was a little confusing there, but I don't – I mean, it's – seeding is seeding. As long as you're in the field, I think you should be happy when you're complaining – when you have real gripes about the seeding, like maybe Iowa having to play a true road game against Cincinnati or Tennessee being a two seed and potentially having to play a road game at Cincinnati, that's tough. But, I mean, the the better team's going to win the game more often than not. Yeah, and uh, Michigan State, who might have had an argument for a one seed, mm-hmm. getting thrown in the same region as um, Duke rather than just traveling 120 extra miles, which I'm sure they gladly would have done to go to the Midwest, but that's how it is. We can start there in the East. Um, Duke, Michigan State, LSU, Virginia Tech, top four seeds there. Um, I mean, Duke with Zion, obviously going to be pretty heavy favorites. Do you have them advancing out of here? I don't. I have them losing to Michigan State in the regional final. I like Cassius Winston a lot, way more than I should. And I think what they did in the Big Ten tournament and then down the stretch and obviously beating Michigan three weekends in a row is impressive. I don't know. I I mean, Duke is a completely different beast when they have Zion, but they're still beatable. They still lost to Syracuse at home. They haven't played a team 
really light, built like Michigan State all season. Maybe Virginia Tech is probably the closest comparison they have, and they've lost to Virginia Tech this year. So I don't have Virginia or uh, Michigan. Wow, I have Michigan State, not Duke, but I have those two playing each other. I was very tempted to put LSU. I think LSU is super talented and a lot of fun to watch, but it, not having Will Wade kills them. If he was still coaching, I think they could beat Michigan State and they could even beat Duke. Well, yeah, we'll certainly get to LSU. Um, I had Michigan State as well. I try not to read too much into conference tournaments because yeah. I feel like it kind of goes back and forth whether that's a good predictive measure or not. You know, for every time you have like a Kemba type run, you'll have Michigan State does so well in the Big Ten tournament and then lose to Middle Tennessee. Right. Um, so I mean, like outside of the the stretch, they have they have three really bad losses. Um, at this point, I mean, two, two especially bad. The home loss to Indiana, um, losing to Illinois, not great. Um, but like, even even against Duke, I, I think they do match up fairly well. Um, Cassius Winston, best point guard in the region, that is, I mean, pretty loaded at the point guard position. You yeah. have guys like Tremont Waters, Anthony Cowan, Trey Jones. Um, he's the best of the bunch. Justin um, Robinson's back. Yeah, yeah, that'll be huge for Virginia Tech. Um, and then, I mean, Michigan State, like Duke, top eight in offensive and defensive efficiency. Virginia's the other um, team, one of three nationally in that group. Um, I mean, the media is going to be rooting for Michigan State because they're playing Bradley first round. Um, yes. So, I've Big never Jays got to stand for each other. I've never seen a swarm come after a school like the Big Jays have come after Bradley. I mean, as soon as you make it personal, like yeah. it's, it's just like somebody sent up the bat signal at the journalist meeting yep. and everybody comes running, but it was over. Yeah. I mean, it's beating, beating Duke. Any, anyone to beat Duke is going to be a tall task. Um, honestly, like kind of rooting for that for a few different reasons. It's Duke. I would like to see Hank get a cat. That would be um, hilarious. And, and, I mean, Michigan State at its best, even without Langford, which is kind of ridiculous that we're talking about them like this because, I mean, who knows what kind of role Cassius Winston would have played if Langford was, was playing the whole year. I think he kind of mm-hmm. was forced to take on a little extra responsibility. Did it, I mean, pretty much flawlessly. Um, but not having that dimension – Interesting scheduling quirk that they can play another Big Ten team in the second round. Um, right. Since they only played once during the regular season, but I mean LSU, no Will Wade. That's going to hurt them, and I, I mean I like I like Michigan State to beat Duke once. That's all you have to do. Right. I need to. We need to talk about this. Louisville and Minnesota is like the most <laughs> deliberate game ever yeah because you just mentioned they found the quirk that if they've only played once they can play again in the ncaa tournament before the sweet 16 this is so deliberate to put them right next to each other it's actually incredible no, and the turn no, hey the committee never does storylines no storylines yeah. <laughs> remember that yeah patino revenge game is pure pure accident no one saw that coming no one no i mean like Good for Louisville getting a seven seed, honestly, mm-hmm. um, for for how they really stumbled down the stretch. But 
Yeah. I, Your gift is gets, Minnesota and Richard Patino, not Rick. And then if you win, you get Michigan State. Yeah, when, once he gets like eights and below and just really don't like any of them, um, except for some. Um, but anyway, do you, do you want to get to sleepers? Because now that I say that, I, I notice my sleeper is a double-digit seed. But Yeah, I don't have yeah. any double digits. Like I like some players out of uh, some of the smaller schools, but I think UCF is a team that not a lot of people are talking about. They had a really good year in the American. Super strong defensively, really big, really athletic. Obviously have seven foot six Taco Fall. They're gonna force teams to shoot over them, and that's not the best matchup for Duke. Obviously, I think Zion can still get his in the paint and do what he wants. It's gonna be an interesting matchup to see him go up against the seven foot six fall if it happens. Um, but them defensively, they're gonna force Duke to shoot over the top. And Duke, as we've mentioned many times, is not a great three point shooting team. And if they're off. You know, all it takes is Aubrey Dawkins to have a decent game, and all of a sudden UCF is in this one. Yeah, I mean, UCF-VCU is going to be very interesting stylistically because obviously yeah. VCU doesn't It's like really another have American anybody. team. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't really have anybody to go directly at Taco Fall, not that anybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, so their offense, more than ever, is just going to be predicated on you know, steals and runouts, just right. beating them down the court. Um, my sleeper, though, I I do like Belmont. Um, yep. I have them all the way in the Sweet 16. Wow. Um, so I will have to amend that to Temple if Belmont loses tonight, which is annoying. But um, I mean, it was, was good to see them get in the field. I, I thought it was deserved, um, especially Absolutely. when the company they're keeping is, you know, like Arizona State and St. John's. Um, I mean, second highest scoring team in the country, Dylan Windler, probably going to be an NBA player. Um, two other guys averaging over 14 points per game. And I mean, just to everyone's this game, I will 100% confidently pick over Maryland. Maryland has it's pretty much collapsed. We've talked to them, I feel like, almost every show yep. during the conference season, for better or worse. It has been for worse um very recently mm-hmm. they they just don't get anything from the bench and while we have talked about how good their their front court is and how good anthony cohen can be they're they're just trending straight down and then like we talked about with lsu no will wade very different team very talented team but it's hard to kind of adjust on the fly at this point in the season the guy who largely has gotten you here um so I like them to make it all the way to to play Michigan State and then lose that game, um, but yeah, that's that would that would be be best case scenario for uh, for the Ohio Valley having two teams in, and I guess we'll talk about Murray State later. But I think yeah. they have a great chance to win their game too. Yeah, I almost went with Maryland as my sleeper because I feel like so many people are overlooking them just because they stumbled so poorly down the stretch. Um, they're, uh, again, they're a team that when they play well, which isn't very often this season, they have not played to their potential. They can beat a lot of teams, but we just haven't seen it. Um, but yeah. So I mean, you, you almost picked them, but didn't. Yes. Okay. okay. That was very close. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, whoever, whoever Duke plays in that second round game will be pretty intriguing. Um, I'm going to 
go ahead and make the assumption that they won't have any trouble in the first round. But after that, each each round is is pretty intriguing. Um, I mean, VCU you, just did, doesn't score. That's their problem. Like, right. I, that's why I want to see UCF win because they have offensive players. Like, they have the ability to score more than sixty-two points in a game. Yeah, and I mean the. The way to beat Duke is just to make them strictly a three-point shooting team. Obviously, yeah. the difficulty with that is when they get know, their shots, it's over. Zion, but they well, also Zion, can crash Reddish, the and uh, Barrett are so athletic; it's hard to just straight up force them, yeah, onto islands. Um, even if you have the world's best defensive game plan, right. see both Virginia games. Mm-hmm. Um, any any upsets leaping out at you in this region? Just the Belmont Temple over Maryland. That's the the one we had talked about already. Um, <laughs> so, wait. so I did. So, yeah, so I picked almost, against Maryland. Picked, okay, so you almost picked Maryland yeah. as your sleeper, and then they just yeah won't win any games. Yep, wow. it was it was close because of the fact that I don't. Know, I just feel like they struggle with good guards. That's been their biggest problem all year. And if they, you know, whoever wins that game, it's either Windler or Shiz Alston, and those two guys are both very good scorers. And that's not gonna. Not going to be a good matchup for Maryland. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think the same thing. Um, I also threw Liberty over Mississippi State in there. Oh, um, too. Not the, the flames. Liberty is Liberty is not the sentimental pick, um, and I'm sure if they continue with with flopping and such, yes. they'll they'll not be the favorite. But I mean, great season. Scotty James leads that balanced attack. Um, I mean, former Bradley mid- Brave. Yeah, Mississippi State just doesn't really do it for me, which I honestly feel the same way about all of the five seeds. Like, it's quick a very tangent. mad group of five seeds. Like the gap between the top three seeds and then like everybody else, I feel like is massive. I would say the three seeds plus Florida State and then everybody else. Yeah, uh, maybe Virginia Tech too because they've been playing well. Sure, sure, but okay, maybe maybe the top four seeds and everybody else. But. I don't know because Kansas and Kansas State both have been very up and down and not you know nothing special here. Okay, we do, we can have we can have more of a a, a gray line rather than yes. stark black and white. But point remains, it's uh, it's kind of pretty uninspiring once you start getting down to you know these sort of games. That's why like. 12 fives this year wouldn't be as big of upsets as they might typically. Um, I think that this would definitely be considered an upset, but I mean, I, I think Liberty has what it takes to at least win this one mm-hmm. rep out for uh, the A-Sun. Chad's such a good year as a conference. And then, I mean, no pun intended flame out against Virginia tech. Yeah, that'll be, That'll be a good game. And, I mean, even looking at the Virginia Tech-St. Louis game, St. Louis is a team built on, like, transfers and a couple good recruits that they picked up. So they're going to be interesting to watch. They they had it together early and then lost a bunch of games in conference play that they really shouldn't have and then just got hot at the right time and ended up winning the A-10. Yeah, the, the A-10 was another weirdly kind of like the – they're not normally held in the same esteem, but kind of like the Pac-12 um, – <laughs> Definitely a down year for them. Yeah. Um, and St. Louis kind of helped them get another bid just by winning the the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of one of those things you like. 
I don't know which I would rather do. Um, cause they're St. Louis, the A10 is like just off of being a high major, but they're close enough where I would consider playing St. Louis and playing Oregon fairly similar. I don't know if I'd rather play like a, a hot high or high mid major compared to like a team like Vermont, the small school, but much, much better record wise. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe like Irvine. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to, we'll get to them. You better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, some, some of your players to watch in, in the East. Uh, we, I mean, we mentioned most of them, but Justin Robinson, obviously back from injury, huge pickup for Virginia tech. You know, they, we saw them struggle in the early games when he went out now to have their distributor back. I mean, he, he's, I believe a 14 point per game score at minimum. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but he completely revamps that offense and takes guys like Alexander Walker off the ball and gets them cutting to the rim more often. And, and he just sets plays up for, for the guys that uh, need to get going. And they've got a ton of scorers now because he went out. So they've had to find a bunch of different guys to do the scoring, uh, pick up the load that he left. So I, I like watching him. Um, we mentioned Shiz Alston and Dylan Windler, whoever wins that game. I mean, they're, they are the player to watch in the next round against Maryland and Cassius Winston. You know, I think he, like you said, is the best point guard in the region, probably even in the country. I mean, he's just that good. And he's made such a difference for Michigan State over the last few weeks here. Um, I gotta, gotta keep shouting out Jordan Murphy. Yeah. Um, pretty much every time Minnesota's involved, double, double machine. Um, Bruno Fernando, another one for Maryland. Um, and then, uh, the point guard matchup in LSU Yale first round is yeah. probably gonna be two feature NBA guys. Um, Waters, who's the, the big recruit last year, um, continued his nice career so far. And then Oni for Yale. Um, I mean, be wild to have an early entrant to the NBA draft from an Ivy League school, but it's possible. And I mean, yeah, like we're we're kind of piling on LSU a little bit here, and I don't expect Yale to knock him out in the first round, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, I think even- I think it's a problem matchup because of the fact that Yale can score. Like, they can score a lot. They won the Ivy League title game. They scored 97 points in that game. They have multiple guys that can do it. That's a problem because normally these Ivy League teams are slow it down, you know, Princeton-style offense, free-flowing, yeah. sto- free methodical, kind of like the Virginias and Cincinnati's. Um, not not Yale. Yale likes to push the tempo. They like to score a lot. They like to shoot the three. It's very, uh, very different, and it could be a problem for LSU. I don't foresee it, but... It, it could happen. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. Certainly in this tournament. Correct. Um, yeah. So we both have Michigan state out of there. I was not expecting that, but here, <laughs> here we are. Um, all right. So West region going, going down the bracket, um, Gonzaga, Michigan, Texas tech, Florida state, Marquette, top five seeds there. He got coming out. You're never going to believe this. I have Gonzaga. <laughs> I will believe it. All right, we're two, we're two for two. You'll never believe who they'll beat, though. Actually, you will. It's Nevada. Nevada, Nevada yeah. That's, that is be. the most 
on-brand Elite Eight matchup for you. So I was very close to picking Buffalo over Nevada. Um, I did not. I love the Bulls. I think they're great. I just think when it when push comes to shove, I think Nevada's just been cakewalking through the season. I said a couple weeks back that I think the perfect spot for Nevada to be is a seven seed, just like last year. They can pick off a two seed. Michigan is like the perfect team for them to play, too, because they've just been sputtering towards the end. They don't match up well with uh, Nevada. And if Charles Matthews doesn't get going or they can't find the offense, which has been the case for you know the last two to three weeks, Nevada can win this game, win that game easily, and I think that's what happens. But Gonzaga over Nevada in the West. Yeah, I mean, can pick off two birds with one stone. Gonzaga is my my pick, favorites, um, best front court in the tournament. Um, I mean, nobody really was more dominant in the regular season. West Coast Conference Final, notwithstanding, um, and then my sleeper was Nevada. I had them losing in the Sweet 16, but, I mean, similar thought process as you. Um, the the concern would be, like, kind of the the tighter rotation that they've played. Mm-hmm. You wonder if, if maybe that's kind of the reason for more than expected struggles in the Mountain West, um, just from guys being gassed, but the team still has the Martin Twins, Jordan Caroline, and much more. Um, just in those three Trey guys. Sean Porter is ridiculous. There's more than enough talent to make a run here. And yeah, I, I don't really like that matchup for Michigan either in the second rounds. Um, I think, I think Nevada handles Florida and then Michigan before falling to my, my other adopted team, the, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. <laughs> Yeah. I, full I, circle. I feel like that pod, whatever you want to call it, that half of the bracket is just so difficult because mm. Buffalo is very good. Frankly, probably underseeded. They probably could have been a five. Nevada's good. They're underseeded, I think. But that fits where they want to be. Texas Tech is a great three seed. Like we talked about, the top three is very good. And then it's like Michigan can be good. They play good defense. When they play good offense, they're very hard to beat, but we haven't seen it consistently. So. That's tough. Um, but I had Buffalo, Nevada, and then St. John's. I'm going to stick with the Johnnies, live and die with them. They're a potential uh, sleeper team. I uh, I did not go with them, obviously, because I said Buffalo to the Sweet 16. But this is a team that when I don't pick them, they're going to make their run and make me look like an idiot. But I just want to get out in front of it and say I had them winning the Big <laughs> East. They did not do that. And now I, I think they can be a sleeper team to uh, make a run here. All right, good, good job getting out in front of it. Um, any, any, I guess, big first round upsets. So we were going to mention it: Murray State, Marquette. This is a weird game. This is a tough game. I again, the committee doesn't pick storylines. They would never do that. John Morant versus Marcus Howard is going to be interesting for the reason of the defensive matchups. Does, I mean, we know Murray State cannot bang with guys like Theo John and Ed Morrow inside. They have a, a couple decent big men, but I don't think they're there athletically or defensively. They certainly don't have guys big enough to defend the Housers, which is going to be a problem matchup. But I think they're just going to key so hard on Marcus Howard, and I don't know who gets that assignment. Is it going to be John Morant? And if so, he's going to have Anum guarding him, which is a tough 
defensive draw. Um, so, I mean, John Morant's got to play essentially 40 minutes of pure, uh, you know, flawless basketball if he wants his team to move on. I definitely think he's capable of it, but they need to muck this game up. They need to force Marquette into what has been their Achilles heel the last month of the year and turn the ball over a ton and get on the run and, and move the ball like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily see Murray State's lack of an interior presence as a huge, huge issue. Because I mean, I, it's not necessarily sure. a strength for Marquette. Yeah, I don't really see Theo John going out and giving you like twenty and twenty, right? Um, no matter who who's really out there against him. And honestly, I don't know. I mean, he'll really have two what, fouls by the under sixteen timeout. Yeah. So what's the point? And inevitably. Um, yeah, he's a modern day fucking. This is Matt Howard every time Butler was in a big game, do the exact <laughs> same thing. Um, yeah, I I don't know what uh, what Marcus Howard we're gonna get. Um, so the the right. last image we have of him is just one for fifteen against um, Seton Hall, and honestly, it didn't necessarily seem like he was fully a hundred percent. And as we've yeah. said all year, if uh, if Marcus Howard isn't scoring, Marquette doesn't do nearly enough in the rest of their roster. So if they are fully reliant on the Housers, that could be a huge issue. Right. Um, I had Murray State winning this game um, for losing to Florida State. But, yeah, I mean, that'll that'll just be it. Hopefully it's it's two guys both at 100% because right. it'll be just a absolutely dynamic individual matchup, certainly. Yeah, and again, uh, I think – this pick is a little bit contingent on the health of Marcus Howard. I think it's going to be a close game regardless. Um, but wouldn't it be great to see them go back and forward in the last, like, two minutes or so, just bucket for bucket? It would. That, that's, I mean, the committee doesn't pick storylines. I'm going to say this the entire show. No, I'd, I don't <laughs> but, know why you would think otherwise. But I hope Marcus Howard is at 100%. He kept grabbing his wrist in that uh, Seton Hall game. He did miss six free throws as well in that game, and he's like a 90% shooter. So right. something that was very off. It's, it was a weird sight. Tough scene. Tough scene. T- tough scene. Um, how about some some players to watch besides those two? I think Charles Matthews has to be like one of the biggest guys to watch. He has not played well in the last, I don't know, couple weeks maybe. He had two or three points, I believe, against Michigan State in the Big Ten title game. Obviously doesn't get it done. When he is scoring, this team is playing well. He needs to get more aggressive on the offensive end and look for his shot more often. I think the problem is that Michigan plays such an unselfish style of basketball, and it's almost turned into John Teske as being the guy that's more aggressive, and he's shooting way more, not than he should, but way more often than usual, and it's taking shots away from Matthews. So I think he needs to, Beeline needs to start drawing up some additional plays to get Matthews open and get him involved in the offense early. Yeah, out of out of any of the top two seeds, Michigan's got the worst offense. Um, isn't necessarily saying much because we're talking about the best teams in the country, but it, mm-hmm. it sticks out as a, a flaw more than you know a unit of any other team. So yeah, definitely big to get him going. Um, I think second round matchup between CJ Massenberg, Jarrett Culver, yeah, be. Really great. Um, and then we missed out on him last year, but he's back now. Anthony Lamb, Vermont. Yes. Um, it's an absolute machine. It's mm-hmm. going to be a very tough matchup um, for Florida State, but 
Um, Florida State will also be a very tough matchup for Vermont um, athletically. Um, right. Like this is kind of the same issue that Vermont ran into last time they're in the tournament against Purdue, but I think Florida State is is going to be even on another level. Should be a great game regardless, but um, and Glam will definitely be able to get his. Absolutely. I mean, he he's one of those guys that no matter who you're playing, he's still going to be able to score. It's what does the rest of the team give you. Um, but I was just looking at Charles Matthews. He has not scored in double-digit points in his last five games. That is an extremely tough scene. And they've lost two of those five. So, Yeah. I mean, the thing is, really, like, pretty much half of Michigan's losses are to Michigan State. Right. Um, so... <laughs> Not having to deal with them necessarily for a while until until the Final Four realistically is probably a welcome sight for them. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would. The problems do run slightly deeper than that. I would say definitely, absolutely. Um, moving on to the South, we've got uh, Virginia, Tennessee, Purdue. Kansas State, Wisconsin, top five seeds here. Um, I mean, for the most part, more defensive-oriented teams, but yeah. Anyone's game? Who uh, who you got coming out of it? I'm gonna do it again this year. I'm gonna take Virginia. I uh, <laughs> I almost I, I mean I, I've almost did a lot in this bracket. It, it's been a mess, but I'll take Villanova over Tennessee. I don't think the game against Cincinnati should Cincinnati beat Iowa is going to be an easy one specifically you know the fact that they're playing in Columbus so it's going to be a pseudo home game for Cincinnati I also don't think the winner of Villanova Purdue is going to be an easy game for Tennessee either because both teams shoot the ball pretty well I could easily see Villanova or Purdue playing Virginia but I think Virginia is just the class of that top half of the bracket so did you slip in there that you've got Villanova in the Elite Eight? I don't. I have them in the Sweet 16. Ah, okay. Um, very very nearly in the Elite yeah. Eight. Yeah, wow. Very very similar to, to my region. I have Virginia um, coming out of it. I think this is finally the year they make the Final Forks. If they don't, I mean, when the hell is it actually going to happen? Yeah. Um, played up that we didn't have DeAndre Hunter last year so that's why we lost to a 16 seed by 20 points um so now i guess make it count with with hunter jerome and and kyle guy like it's your big three that should should be enough to get you out of the region uh sleeper i also had villanova got him in the sweet 16 right i think this is just the the time of year where your two best players are veteran leaders this is their time to step up. Pascal and Booth, um, Jay Wright at this point, has earned a little bit of um, esteem his his March performances rather than just being a punchline with early exits. So I think Villanova is going to beat St. Mary's and, um, and then beat Purdue as well. Um, but that's not not my big upset. I will I will defer to your you first. Any seen any upsets in this region? Yeah, I think Oregon can actually make a Sweet 16 run. Um, Kansas State, I mean, Kansas State all depends on the health of Dean Wade. If he's not playing, we've seen how 
much they can struggle. If he is, they're a completely different team offensively. Wisconsin is such a strange team because they have like one of the best players in the country if you restrict the game of basketball to within five feet of the rim. When it's the full floor, Ethan Happ is a liability more often than not. He doesn't play that great a defense. He He's become a much better passer, which is a, a big credit to him. He cannot shoot the ball, though. Uh, so Oregon's got size, and that's going to be a tough matchup for Wisconsin inside specifically. And if he's not scoring or if he gets in foul trouble, which, he ha- which happens more often than not, Wisconsin doesn't really have that consistent – secondary score. Davison hasn't been it. Demetri Trice hasn't shown it yet. Cleo Iverson's come on a little bit of late, but he's not like lighting it up necessarily. He did have 22 against Ohio State. But, I mean, they don't have that consistent secondary score. So I like Oregon strictly because they're, play- they're peaking at the right time. They've got the athletes. They've got a lot of talent, and Peyton Pritchard's started to play really well. Yeah, I mean, let's let's delve into this sub-regional um, because it, it could be some fairly ugly basketball. Yes. There are three offenses outside the top 100 here, and the only one, the, the best one by a long shot is Wisconsin at 52, which I, I don't feel great saying about any group of four tournament teams um, that Wisconsin is just so much better offensively than the rest. Right. Um, I mean... Kansas State is just a classic team circled as not really built to do well in the tournament because of how defensive-minded they are. Um, If they don't have Dean Wade, that would just emphasize that even further for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like UC Irvine. Um, I've got them in the Sweet 16, actually. Heyo. Beating uh, Kansas State and then Wisconsin. Um, Not... Not a lot of star power for them. They're obviously more of a defensive-focused team Super as spread well. on offense. Yeah. Um, nobody averaging more than uh, 12 a game. But defensively, they just absolutely lock you down, lead the nation in two-point field goal percentage, and they extend and play defense in such a way where they're still able to force opponents to drive the paint, take contested shots, and then – I mean, essentially just win battles of attrition. Mm-hmm. Recently, of course, um, just playing in their conference, they've been winning by quite a lot. Um, road wins, St. Mary's road win against a Power 6 school in A&M earlier in the year. So this is, this is my Cinderella this year. The um, Anteaters. Going, going all in on the Anteaters. They're a 30-win team, too, so it's not like... Yeah, You know, they haven't been there or anything. Uh, another team that I find interesting, I guess this kind of goes into the sleepers a little bit, is Ole Miss. I don't think Oklahoma is a nine seed, nor do I think they're good enough to beat Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss can cause problems for Virginia because of the fact that their guards shoot the three so well. They're not necessarily a driving team. If Bree and Tyree can get going that can open things up for problems. And we've seen Virginia struggle a little bit from time to time with turnovers. And Ole Miss likes to run and push the tempo. Two completely contrasting styles. So if it gets a little stretch of a track meet, Ole Miss can can make them pay with a a big run or something like that. I don't think it's going to happen, obviously, as I have Virginia winning the region, but I think it's something to watch for. 
yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say for sure where uh, where the challenge is going to come from for Virginia. I, I think, yeah, I've, I've got Ole Miss beating Oklahoma, and I, I think that second-round game for Virginia would be tougher than their Sweet 16 game, Yeah, pretty much regardless of who comes out um, of that sub-regional. Obviously, I have UC Irvine, so it's an easier seed for them, but I, I think even if, if Wisconsin or Oregon or Kansas State comes out, um, those teams just aren't going to be able to score enough to compete with Virginia. Um, it's a, a very, very poor stylistic matchup. Uh, so that's yeah, that's definitely one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the other big thing is just the the scheduling quirk that's basically going to give Tennessee an away game mm-hmm. in the second round potentially. Right. Um, but against a good Cincinnati team too, it's not like yeah, I had them at a seven. I still kind of think they could have been a six. Feels like a little disrespect after beating a good Houston team in the AAC title, but. Honestly, I think them being a seven, getting Iowa, and getting a pseudo home game is like the best draw they could have asked for. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like that, that's kind of the other point I was trying to make. Like some of these teams that finished the season really well, and we're seeing them on um, like seven, eight, nine. Like, it's not like anybody was really blowing us away. Yeah, on the on the five or six line, um, mm-hmm. except for for Buffalo, probably. Is is super chill. It's just playing some first four scrub, um, right? But yeah, that's where we're at. Um, I mean, keeping it on Cincinnati, I had Dreon Cumberland as mm-hmm. my players to watch. Um, AAC Player of the Year, um, an actual scorer from Cincinnati, not one that they try and force feed us. I know it's Weird. it's wild as hell. <laughs> um, I got I got a shout out. Couple couple of Big Ten guys, Ethan Happ. Um, I'm sure he'll play well in a second-round loss to UC Irvine, um, but just walking <laughs> double-double, Wisconsin's ultimate downfall, as you pointed out, is they, they won't give him nearly enough help. Um, Carson Edwards for Purdue, yeah, probably going to end up being a, a similar issue. I had Purdue losing to Villanova, but regardless of when that Purdue loss actually comes, and it will, um, it's going to be because Edwards has you know, a, a less than stellar game mm-hmm. or quite simply nobody else really steps up when, right. When he's playing well, drawing everybody's attention really opens up just wide open shots for their shooters, Klein and Eifert. Then that's when they're really clicking. But I mean, if not, it can be a struggle. Um, like both times that they lost to Minnesota this season. Um, but I mean, they'll, they'll go as far as Edwards will carry them for sure. Absolutely, and uh, another guy that I had listed, I had mentioned him briefly, uh, Khalil Iverson. He, I think he's the X factor for Wisconsin. You know, when he he had twenty two and fourteen against Ohio State, eleven and eleven against Iowa. He's starting to see more minutes. He's starting to play a bigger role both offensively and on the glass. This is a team that doesn't necessarily rebound the ball too well. They need they need something. They need energy, and that's what he can bring off the bench he has an okay jump shot it's not anything spectacular yes i know shooting percentage is over 50 percent, but that's more due to the fact that he's on the glass scoring that way but if he has a big game they can win against most teams in uh that mini region 
Absolutely. Um, and then just got to give him one last shout out since I didn't have him winning the region, but the, the combination of Admiral Schofield and Grant mm-hmm. Williams for Tennessee. Um, yep. Hope that's what the regional final ends up being um, because you know, Tennessee have the advantage inside Virginia Wood on the perimeter. Um, so just be fun to see how that shakes out. Um, yeah, but that's, that's really all I had for the South. Midwest time. All right. Um, we are, if you're scoring at home, we are three for three on final four picks. Obviously not planned. Yes. I don't think we've, we've we haven't done four for four um, yet, but. I'm a little worried. I'm very Um, worried. Who who do you have coming out of here? I have North Carolina beating Houston. All right, we're good. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I like the Cougars a lot. I think they're going to make a a strong Elite Eight run and push North Carolina to the edge. Completely different styles offensively. Again, um, but I don't know. I just think North Carolina is playing so well right now. They have so many different options offensively, you know, Luke May, Cam Johnson, Kobe White, any of these guys can get going and get theirs. They like to run, which a lot of teams don't like to do, although this region, as Rothstein has called it, is the region of pace. More off, more teams in this region like to run than, I guess, in the rest of the tournament, I would say. But I think that just plays into North Carolina's favor. Certainly seems like an, a fairly easy shake for the Tar Heels. I will say that cautiously, but yeah, I mean, the bottom half of the bracket is certainly a gauntlet compared to the top half here. Yeah, I mean, this is for sure the region where I I went the wildest. I know we just talked about a region where I had UC Irving in the Sweet 16, but um, I've got You said hold your beer to yourself. (laughs) I've got Houston... um, Going to the final four. Wow. I mean, we've, been, we've been talking them up all season. Yeah. It's kind of prove it time. Um, I mean, I think this is a big tournament for, you know, because again, AAC, they're not, they're not really mid majors, but they're not power six either. It's kind of weird territory to be in. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, this is a huge tournament for future tournaments, essentially, if that makes sense for, yeah. you know, the likes of, Houston and then different conferences, but similar things, but teams like Nevada and Buffalo. Um, it's like the same for the big South. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've Houston and then my sleeper who I have Houston beating in the elite eights, holding on to your hats. Um, it is Kansas. Whoa. We've got, <laughs> uh, got the, uh, the revenge game win over Roy. Um, wow. I, there is, there is pretty much, Nothing logically, I think, that would suggest, you know, Kansas is in good position to make a run here. We've we've covered them as, as closely as anyone this year, obviously missing two guys from their original starting five. Um, but they have a, a true star in, in Diedrich Lawson. Dotson is a quality point guard who can lead you on a run in March. I, wow. I trust Bill Self. Wow. No, no first round losses since uh, 2006, which doesn't really count for as much as you think because they've usually been one or two seeds. Um, this is the first year in quite some time. Not coincidentally, um, they didn't win the Big 12 title, but first yeah. first year in quite some time where they weren't a one or two seed. Um, 
think Northeastern's going to be a tough matchup. I but, agree. Uh, I still see them getting out of there and making it to the Elite Eight. Wow, this, I did not expect one, that. This one definitely, I never, I never really go so bold as to have you know like an Elite Eight or Final Four team eliminated on the first day. This could be it. De- de- <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of it's kind of how confident I am with the bracket at this point. So we're talking uh, before we started recording, but we're going for it. Don't let me down, folks. Then I will not rest until. Bill Self is the Bulls coach. Mm-hmm. We'll just keep, keep running with that rumor just to piss off Kansas fans online. Keep it going. I, uh, In terms of sleepers, I got – I think Auburn is a little bit overlooked in the fact that, I mean, they just won the SEC and did so handily. When they play like that, they are very difficult to beat. And this is the team we kind of expected to see all season long. We talked about it preseason – this is a team that should compete for the SEC title regular season. We weren't talking conference tournament, obviously, but they win the conference tournament anyways. They have a great run. This is a team run and gun, shoot the three. They're a lot of fun to watch. Like, this is the perfect March team to go on a run to get a crowd into the game, you know, a group of neutrals, whoever it may be. They get a very strong mid-major in New Mexico State, but it's a team that always seems to be that, like, trendy upset pick that never does it. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things with that. Um, Auburn is kind of one of those schools that I'm a little wary just not to go all in based on, you know, a good run in the conference tournament. Certainly. Um, New Mexico State, they've kind of been on the radar all year ever since, I mean, ironically a loss, but they almost took down Kansas at Allen. Um, Could get a a second-round rematch here, but – I mean, committee doesn't do storylines. They never would. Um, and I I think realistically that the only reason Auburn's a five seed here is because of that tournament run. Uh, there's a little bit of recency bias there. Um, and, I, I mean, it's this is just not not a good matchup for them. Um, the, the things that, you know, they kind of rely on to win games, New Mexico State, is also strong in those areas, um, which is another way of saying Auburn will pressure you, um, steal the ball, try to get runoffs. New yeah. Mexico State really does not turn the ball over, and Auburn is extremely guard heavy. And there are only seven teams in America better than New Mexico State at rebounding their own misses. So that could be a very long day at the office for Bruce Pearl. I actually do have New Mexico State winning this game. That's my First round upset um, for this region. Obviously, have upsets in the later rounds, but I think New Mexico State gets a win. Um, I think it'll be a better tournament for 12 seeds than it was last year. Yeah, which I mean, it's almost unfathomable that that even happened. So it it's got to at least go in the other direction a little bit. And I think uh, New Mexico State is. As good a team as any to do just that. So I don't have the New Mexico State over Auburn one. I actually have Northeastern over Kansas. So we've gone way different after going so similar early I mean, on. It's it about time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Vasapuchica is the reason. He is lights out, great shooter. Uh, you know, 18 points a game, plays decent defense, passes the ball, he gets in the lane. I mean, he does whatever his team needs him to. That's that is 
the whole reason, because a guy like that can get hot, and I think Kansas certainly has shown this year that they'll play down to their competition, and that's what I fear Kansas doing against Northeastern here, leaving them in the game a little longer than they should, and then Puchica can get hot. Yeah, I mean, it is it is for sure a shame that uh, didn't get to see Hofstra here. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Northeastern earned it by beating them. Um, yeah, I will... You have not swayed me. I will stick to my guns with Kansas. I didn't expect to. And then my <laughs> other one, I obviously have to pick my alma mater to beat Wofford. This, I don't like this matchup whatsoever. Wofford shoots three like crazy, and they shoot it well. Fletcher McGee is one of the best shooters in the history of college basketball. He is too shy of tying the all-time three-point record. Three shy of breaking it, obviously. He will certainly do that against Seton Hall on Thursday night. My hope is is that this team, they, they found their stride over the last two weeks or so. They beat Marquette twice. They lost essentially on a last-second shot that they, they had the ball missed against Villanova in the Big East Championship game. They made their run. They've gotten you know back to where they were playing in December. Can they continue that for another weekend? I don't know. I'm not confident in it, but the way they're talking – the way it's being drawn up is a defense first team and that's where they thrive. That gives me a little more confidence. They've got, you know, Kevin Willard actually knows about Wofford, whereas Wofford's coach post game uh, post selection show said that he doesn't know anything about Seton Hall and he will know what he knows on Thursday. So that's I mean, what I'm going to go wrong for. There. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean that, so that's pretty much the entire matchup. I, I'm not excited for the game. Like I'm happy they're in, but I'm not excited. Uh, I think Wofford is very good, and it's a very tough draw. I think Wofford is good, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, win that one, probably got a rematch with Kentucky. No storylines. So, yeah, no, no storylines, but you never know. Um, yeah, let's uh, rattle off some, some players to watch for me. Let's go Caleb Wesson, your favorite player from Ohio State. Hmm. Comes back, gets an acquired taste. <laughs> comes back, gets the Buckeyes, the big win over Indiana, and then uh, makes a couple plays throughout. There, I, I mean, it's just they're such a different team when he's in the game. It's so crazy how much he can change their offense. Like even guys like Jackson play significantly better when he's in the game, and it's obviously it's because there's a better interior presence that opens things up. But it's almost seemingly that he sees Wesson on the floor and is like, okay. And then Andre Wesson plays significantly better when Caleb's on the floor, too. It's weird. Um, he's someone to watch for sure. And then, I mean, the Fletcher-McGee-Miles-Powell combo, whoever wins that game is the player to watch. Both have the capability to take over and pull, you know, the, the magic run or, you know, the big run, hit the big shots, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that'll be a fun matchup to watch in round one. Yeah, I mean, I uh, got a lot of guys that we, we talked about for a lot of the year. Uh, Mary Lashayak, yep. Iowa State. Um, they they are another team that's kind of starting to put it together. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a, a really tough second-round game for Houston. Um, they're, they're really feast or famine, as we've said, and I think they're, they're trending more towards feast right now. He's obviously the guy that makes it happen uh cam johnson 
this year's Justin Jackson uh, for North Carolina. Um, expect him to have a big tournament and then potential second-round matchup with Washington, which I think Utah State will beat Washington. But if Washington-UNC happens, um, could be a good matchup him going up against Matisse Teibel, um, one of the contenders for Defensive Player of the Year nationally. Yeah. Um, gotta gotta shout out Fletch McGee, Wofford. Um, still have another ton name. And the nation will see probably a, at least a, a 9 or a 10 out of 10 player. Um, did you already say Miles Powell? I mentioned him I briefly. Kind of, okay. I kind of, kind of assumed you would. I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to drone on about him. Out, scratched it out lightly, yeah. But I mean, he's he's obviously been playing really well down the stretch, and no coincidence that Seton Hall has been as well. Um, he's obviously very important to their success. Um, yeah. So that's that's about all I got. Um, I mean, Reed Travis being healthy and, and playing yeah. well defensively obviously matters significantly for Kentucky. We've seen they're a completely different team. But other than that, I mean, you hit hit most of the guys. P.J. Washington is fine, whatever. Yeah, he's um, decent or something. Kentucky will lose to Houston, so who even cares? Right. Um, all right, so we got our final four set. Who, who do you actually have winning it all? You're never going to believe it. But I have the Zags. I have Gonzaga beating Virginia in the final. Um, I don't know. They've just... Take out the St. Mary's game. Even without Killian Tilly, they've been very good this year. With him back, hopefully getting closer to 100%. I don't know if he'll get there in time. But even playing 20 minutes a game, they're not going to have another off night like they did against St. Mary's in that conference title game. There's just too much there. They can actually match up with some of these bigger athletic teams that, like we saw in Maui. And, I mean, Hachimura hasn't necessarily played his best basketball in a little while. Brandon Clark's been great. The guard play has been a little shaky, but Josh Perkins knows he needs to turn it on when it comes time for tournament time. And I just, when it comes down to it, I think that Gonzaga's going to make the plays. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got Gonzaga over Virginia as well. Um, are we are we in any of the same pools? <laughs> we'll find out. So these are, uh, yeah, I mean, just a different Final Four team in the Midwest. Um, I guess early round differences. So those will those will maybe make some difference. Um, yeah, but pretty much pretty much same same logic there. Um, I'm I'm pretty worried. Like I think Gonzaga out of the top seeds probably has the the toughest path. Yeah. Um, the rematch with Florida State potentially in the Sweet Sixteen really worry me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Texas Tech would be a, a tough out in the regional final. But I mean, this is the year, folks. The West is yeah. such a tough um, region. Yeah, I mean, even Syracuse. You look at Syracuse. Teams just seem to forget how to play offense when they see the two-three zone, and especially in March, they muddy the game yeah. up so much. And it's not like they actually have scorers this year. Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett can get it done, but I mean, and Elijah Hughes, I guess, to an extent. But 
Syracuse is a tough game. I mean, the winner of Marquette, Murray State, Florida State, essentially. I mean, I guess you can throw Vermont in there, too, because they've got a chance. But any of those three teams in the Sweet 16 is tough. And then you're looking at just a gauntlet for the Final Four. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't know. I, if, I, if I think about it too much, I'll get extremely worried. But the other thing, too, is just preparing for the zone on such a quick turnaround. Right. Like, you can see the same thing with uh, UMC if Washington wins their first-round game, mm-hmm. where you just have a day in between to, to try to lock everything down. But, yeah, it's just one of the one of the other fun perks of the tournament is uh, it's little idiosyncrasies like that. That's what it's all about. The matchups, not the yeah. storylines. No, exactly. You got that right. Um, any closing thoughts? Uh, go Hall. That's all I can say. All right. Go Zags. Already made the brand change. Um, I will be watching <laughs> IU tonight um, playing playing St. Francis in the NIT game that everyone has circled. But, yeah. It's March, so it means we're we're back all in with the Zags. Here we go. Time has come.